You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders in the NHS. I'm Ellie Fox and I help connect digital leaders in the NHS with interim talent and today I am your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. If you could just introduce yourself for us, please. Sure. Thanks, Ellie. Um, So my name is Alex Shosland. I'm currently the Associate Director for Business Intelligence at London Northwest Hospitals. I've worked in the NHS since 1997. I kind of fell into it and um, uh, haven't been able to escape. Um, But um, no, I found it a very rewarding career. Um, I've worked mainly within informatics. um, So for the bulk of that um, time, I have worked within information management um, teams and departments. Um, I did for a little while work in operational management, um, which was a complete eye-opener and gave me uh, uh, an insight into the real workings of uh, of the NHS and hospitals. Um, But in my time as well, I've also worked um, uh, for a strategic health authority and also regional office when we had one, and also overseas for the Department of Health in Australia. so yeah, quite a few healthcare models, uh, different tiers and different roles. But yeah, excited to be here to talk about data and how we can make best use of it. Perfect, thank you, Alex. Uh, Carrie, if we can go to you next. Hi everyone, my name is Carrie. Um, I'm a freelance data scientist uh, for the NHS. I, my background is, um, so I graduated from a mathematics degree, so I'm a mathematician as well. Uh, I working as a data analyst as a BEM4, and then we're up to like Ben C before I left the NHS. So I'm working in like um, private hospital, hospital and ambulance service, the teacher hospital before. So my background is all about understanding how different people using data and give them the most insight to them and as much as possible. So here I am. And my passion is I would like to be able to say that I held the world a little bit by using mathematics. So helping NHS will be something that I really enjoy and passionate about. Thank you, Carrie. Henry, if you could introduce yourself for us, please. Thanks. So um, I'm Henry Anabogo. I'm the head of informatics at um, Planet Enfield and Haringey Mental Health Trust. Um, for my degree, so I've got an um, engineering degree in earth and science, and I have got, um, you know, information management, basically data analytics. For the for my master's part, um, I'm still a novice compared to Alex. So I joined the NHS in um, 2010, and this started from um, acute hospitals. Then I went into primary care. Then from primary care, I went into commissioning, and from commissioning, I came into mental health. So this trust is the first mental health service trust I've been involved in. Um, I'm quite very passionate about data and analytics and just to make reference with them um, carry as well the statistics is definitely needed in the NHS definitely a lot so um, I feel it's something that the NHS has been lacking on because if I look at the private sectors like energy and the the likes of IT they utilize a lot of data analytics but in the NHS unfortunately it's just an area that is still trying to actually evolve so um that is basically what I just want to chip in for now, Ellie. That's okay. Mm-hmm. 
That's perfect. Thank you, Henry. And then last but not least, Hatim, if you could introduce yourself for us, please. Thanks, Ali. So my name is Hatim Abdul Hussain. I'm a, I'm a GP in, in North West London, uh, but I also have a role at Health Education England as a clinical lead of, of the DART-ED programme. So that's digital AI and robotic technologies in education. Um, throughout training as a junior doctor, uh, I kind of got interested in, in the role of informatics and the role of, of, of technology in practice. And, and I remember this started very early on as a foundation doctor when we were looking at how we can improve our hospital at night system and then how we can make that better. Um, and then I've kind of grown into really having a much more deeper interest in, in that over the last couple of years, particularly on the off the back of the, the top hole review, which was published in 2019, which really started to outline all of these technologies and a way they can potentially improve patient care. And when I look at the day to day work that I do as a GP, I can see so many ways that we can enhance the care that we provide our patients through technology and that is clearly an area that you know that is worth exploring so i'm really excited to have this conversation here today around data because that's going to be such a key part of achieving that mission so yeah lovely to meet everyone here and, and let's get cracking perfect thank you uh, so back to you alex your question was how can nhs organizations collaborate to adopt the latest technological advancements in data analytics and reporting and what processes or solutions are or will be available to link data together to see a full patient pathway both within your trust and across the ics to provide insightful analytics and timely reporting so if you could just give us a bit of context to that question um, and then we'll go around to the panel Sure, yeah, so um, particularly the role I'm in now, and I guess um, to some degree the role that I left in my previous organisation, um, it's it's obviously becoming more and more paramount that we need to be able to um, see a fuller patient journey and a fuller patient pathway. So particularly in my previous role where um, we were divulging some services out into the community. So for instance, like MSK type services, which were traditionally done within an acute setting. And now we're trying to do it within a community setting that's um, <clears throat> more local to the patient um, and about, you know, trying to prevent um, more acute type cases, trying to get on top of cases really early, et cetera. So there's a wealth of knowledge. And I guess, you know, linking with GPs as well, there's a wealth of health knowledge um, from the community all the way through to acute setting and then even tertiary care and onwards. Um, and I guess for me, one of the challenges is coming into the role that I've come into now within Northwest London, where they're keen to work. We're keen to work with our partner hospital of Hillingdon, um, but also Chelsea and Westminster and Imperial. Um, and really in this day and age, you know, we should be sharing um, stuff amongst ourselves. So it's about how can we not only tie the information together within our own organisation, but across organisations and also across um, different tiers as well. So into primary care and community type services. Thanks, Alex. Carrie, you were nodding your head a lot there, so I'm going to come to you first. What do you think on that? Perfectly agree with you because integrated care is very important because you cannot just work in acute alone. It's like like you say the whole pathway is is about prevention, rehab, and also looking after the the patient from before they get sick up to they get really sick. Right? You can't really say that it's not magical that you can just save the patient when that is something happened. We need to catch it when before it happened. Really, so I agree with you. But I find the difficulty is to get the data is just people on the primary care and the secondary care alone, the data set is already using completely different coding. 
that is the first thing. And in acute trust or, or hospital setting, you got, you know, if you're lucky enough, you will have a group of, big group of clinical coder to help you to do that. But the, but for the GP practice, or we have, you know, place like that or community service, they do not have people that who train to get those information across. Because for, first thing is that. Second thing is, I think for people that in the front line, collecting data won't be their first thing in their head, right? I mean, everyone got their job because we are from a technical or, or te technology or data science. We think that that is important. But in, in, in real life, people, they got their priority, right? So I, my, my question will fall back to the discussion is, how can we help the clinician to collect the data, become more efficient? I think that is more important. And also, at the moment, we are trying to, you know, the two different coding systems in primary care and secondary care, that is already driving everyone headache because you need to learn two different systems before you can use the data. So I think from both clinicians and also data scientists, we both need to learn how to code. So that is my suggestion. So I think, I, let, let me know what you guys think as well. Thank you, Carrie. Henry, uh, what are your thoughts? I, I think um, in general for me, when it actually talks to collaboration as well too, I think when I actually left, let's call it like the private sectors and all that, you know, they were actually collaborating a lot, but once I actually moved into the NHS, it, it, it was, it was extremely very shocking for me because I see the NHS as one family. You know, you don't have a GP. You don't. Um, you, th there shouldn't be any distinction between a GP, uh, a mental health provider, an acute setting as well. Too. You know, it's all the same connected one big family in this all. We should be in a stage whereby, like you've talked about, the likes of the primary care where where they're using, uh, if, if memory serves, read codes. And you come to the acute uh, mental health, they're using ICD-10 codes. And um, I think the acutes as well, they're using other codings. Even though it's great we have things like SNOMED actually coming into play now to try and bring all these codings into one big central basket. So it is great. And I'm glad that we're actually going down that pathway. But collaborative working is something that I know is extremely, very, very important, especially when it comes to data analytics as well too. Before I even actually dive into the data part, operational staffs, let's say I'm a mental health staff nurse as well too. For me to actually see a patient, I need a lot of information that um, the likes of her team in the GP surgery has actually recorded. You know, this sort of information is extremely very important and useful for me to even treat that patient. Why even seeing the patient, I do not even want to be repeating the exact same questions that you know, the GP has already asked that same client. So it can even frustrate the patient as well too. It can also even frustrate the staff. If we are all talking to each other, we can actually make ourselves more effective as well too, even as a staff. I don't need to spend a lot of hours asking GP-related queries. And I, feel, and I feel this also applies to the GP surgeries as well too. They don't need to spend a lot of time asking secondary care-related data. Information from the patient. So there is the operational acts as well. Too. Then, when it now comes to data analytics as well, too, I think anyone coming from an analytical side knows that for you to be able to predict or analyze or advise someone perfectly, your data has got to be extremely very robust. 
So if you're just looking at one set of data only, which is just mental health or just GP, just looking at only GP, it can only do its best that way. But I think that if your data is actually connected to say even social care services, okay, this patient actually is being seen by social care services, does not have a housing data that we can even get from the council. This patient as well too has presented to the GP multiple times already for these particular problems like what? If you have all this sort of information in place, it's very easy for you to predict and say, definitely in one day or two days time or in a month's time, this patient is going to end up in a mental health ward. So you can see how all this data is actually connected to each other and we are one central family here. So it's extremely very important that the NHS starts coming out from this little bit of, um, you know, it is my own data working in silos and all this. No, I do not see it that way. We should actually collaborate and talk to each other because it is, all I see is just an advantage for us all. Thanks, Henry. Yeah. Hatim, what are your thoughts? So um, I guess the mantra that I've always been taught is, is, is what can we do to, to make things better for the people that we're delivering care for? you know, our public, our citizens, our patients. And ultimately, the, the scenario Henry is describing there is data can provide tremendous value in keeping people well, keeping people healthy, Ide identifying when people are getting unwell and being able to put in measures in place as early as possible to prevent them getting severely unwell. So from a very simple, uh, let's do good basis, we know that this is absolutely important and we have to do this. And I think that alone is, is that kind of shared mantra that we all follow. That's why we work in in, in the National Health Service is is should be enough, hopefully, to, to build some of that collaboration. Now, of course, there are other factors that, that make that quite challenging sometimes in terms of commonality of language. Uh, we talked about, you know, interoperability here as well as come up in terms of, uh, you know, data sharing. Uh, and also we've talked about quality of data. We've talked about what do healthcare professionals uh, input into systems and are they aware that if that's the right information that they're putting in, the most accurate information that they're putting in to provide, provide us with the best insights. So absolutely we're going to touch on those probably a little bit later on anyway, but these are clearly factors that are can be sometimes barriers to, to true collaboration. But most importantly, I think culture is the biggest thing and we're starting to see this change. We're starting to see people more willing to work together. I think the 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 proposition around integrated care systems helps to bring organizations a bit more together because um, it is all about joining up care and we're starting to see the overall benefits for us all if we do that. Now of course that will take time, that culture change takes time and especially if we start to get some of the other bits right, if we start to get that commonality of language together, if we start to get that interoperability together, we start to get uh, our healthcare professionals you know, educated and 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 understanding data and in informa informatics, then that will lead to even better change and better collaboration across the system. Perfect. Thank you. Has anyone got anything to add before we move on to the next question? I think just sort of <clears throat> tying all those together, it's obviously going to be a massive challenge. And as Carrie pointed out, you know, we have different currencies and different units. And I mean, even even within my within my own organization, you know, we've got 
various different clinical systems and they don't even talk to each other and different identifiers etc so it's going to be a massive challenge to try and do it across the ICS not you know not just within your own organization but um, yeah I think there's massive potential here and um, you know based on what you've all said you know it's about um, you know trying to prevent um, a condition becoming um, chronic or you know more acute and trying to keep um, patients out of hospitals and try and manage them locally so it's you know right care right care right place right setting for the right patient obviously um, but yeah massive challenge thanks Alex over to you Hatim and what Alex says is completely true right that's that's the thing it's a problem for us all we're all going through the same problems every organization has challenges around the systems that they use uh, things like single sign-on, the, the usability of these systems, the, the how they talk to each other, and then how they talk to outside organisations. So I think that is one factor as well. We can all we all have the same stories, and we all have the same problems. So let's try and work them out together. And some places are further ahead than others. And I think, um, you know, what's happening in 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 Northwest London, I think, is a really real. A great example of that in terms of uh, you've had a couple of trusts that have been using you know systems for for a while and have been really comfortable with that and and done their evaluation and done their learning and now they're in a you know a, a place where they can share that learning with with a couple of other acute trusts who can now go on that journey and 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 the end result will be one system across uh, multiple organisations hopefully better communication between primary and secondary care communication systems as well, better data sharing, and, and ultimately, as I said before, that will mean better patient care. Perfect, thank you. Um, so, Carrie, we'll come to you for the next question. Yours was, do you think that it is important to improve data, data literacy, not only in the NHS, but also for the general public and patient? If so, how would you plan for doing it? So if you want to give us a bit of context and then we'll go around the panel. Yeah, the reason why I asked that is, as you know, like, you know, we got a lot of trendy words in the in the world at the moment, like big data, AI, machine learning, and then everyone thinks that they are like the, the rock star of the data science as well and stuff. But but having said that is we because like unlike accountants, you when you go to do an exam, you can call yourself accountancy, but in data science world or working with data, you do not have that kind of standardized approach on how to do data. And so my question is like like I mean, a lot of us have been working different across different NHS organizations. We all know that not only the system, but how we use the different language and using the data same data set. So how can you know to for moving forward as a, like you say as a family as a whole how can we moving forward because in 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 the perfect world is even though i work in hospital a and hospital b the coding the way that we should analyze the data it should be absolutely the same but in the real world is we all know that not even the hospital different department already is different way of how to interpret the data so i just wonder what you thought about the data literacy, not only in the organization itself, but also from the patient point of view, because in the general public, they think they know how to use the data as well. Thanks, Carrie. Alex, let's go over to you. Yeah, um, yeah, great question. Um, yeah, I mean, again, massive challenge. It's it's um, and, you know, lots of lots of things sprung to mind when you're asking that question, like, you know, we live in a GDPR world where, you know, doesn't matter what website you go on these days you get something popping up saying do you allow or disallow this etc and you know there are 
they're a bit of a bane of my life and I you know I'm, I'm always the reject all type policy but obviously when it comes to when it comes to you know valuable data and how we can use data you know obviously I've worked in um with with health data for many years now and um you know each each bit and each nugget from each patient is obviously critical and crucial in trying to in trying to improve the health outcomes of of our future patients um so again it's about it's obviously about trying to communicate that message out to the public and i think obviously there's you know there's a lot of uh there's maybe a lot of reluctance about sharing data or how data is used and confidentiality and all the rest of it um and i think or i'd like to think at uh, at its heart, you know, the, the NHS is well set up to to store data and protect data and keep it confidential. Um, uh, and I do firmly believe that it's, it is used appropriately, but it's obviously very important that we were able to use it um, through, you know, some, some of these cutting edge, you know, on, on, on a basic level, you know, we've been doing length of stay analysis or readmissions or mortality type rate analysis for for many years now but we're on the cusp of as you said some exciting expressions like data science and big data and and even predictability you know we we've been living in um uh, particularly with analytics we've been living in a very reactive um type world where you know we'll get we'll get a request um for for data whether it's for a business case or a particular process is failing or um you know we've had a downward trend or the cqc has come in and highlighted a particular area um and it's all very much reactive and, and looking at historical um data and historical trends but we should obviously be trying to predict what's going to happen i mean things like things like the number of patients who attend a and e um it's actually you know when you when you break it down to a particular day of the week or particular time of the year um it's it's fairly consistent um and yet you know little, little things like this you know we still um within the NHS to, to sort of not really um not really use as valuable as we should do because you know you can do things like you can model your staff you can get the appropriate levels of cover on at the right times of the day or right days of the week etc um so so the whole data literacy program I think is is massive across um you know not just I'd say not just the general public and patient but within organizations as well I mean one of the one of the challenges that um that that I've um, come across in working in informatics is you often get you often get a request for um, say a dashboard or something like that because operationally there's a belief that just because you create a dashboard suddenly everything's going to get better it's like okay here's a dashboard we've now got reds and greens suddenly the whole process is going to improve but the ch real challenge then is how you how you translate that data into information and then actually into um, some insightful um uh discussion with those critical areas and operational areas to really be able to make changes and really be able to advise where those changes should be so yeah data needs to data needs to drive those decisions um uh right from the start so i think it's about it's about the awareness of data within organizations um and yeah across the general public and for, from a patient setting as well you know i think we're you know mo most people have smart technology these days you know whether it's on a smart speaker or a phone or whatever it is um and you know there's some there's some local um uh medication recording that's going on already by patients you know like you could have diabetic patients recording their own blood sugar levels um and you know i think this will become more and more commonplace with people doing various analytics in their own home which hopefully feeding into the previous question will sort of tie into like a patient record um, that can be then shared across organisations.
Thanks, Alex. Hatim, what are your thoughts? So this question is 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 music to my ears, right? I, I I love it because it's just so so important. It's right up my wheelhouse. Um, what I I guess what I wanted to consider initially when thinking about this question was, um, Carrie really laid out uh, really well that data literacy applies to very different levels. So in actually in different departments or or different organisations, data means a completely different thing or comes from a completely different source. And and that's actually right up to individual level because we're all sometimes inputting things differently or coding things differently. So that's that for me is, is fascinating because it means that actually data literacy is, is a really wide concept and a really wide problem across multiple levels. And therefore, we need to tackle it with a sort of a multifaceted uh, approach. And then we also talked about the data literacy in patients because uh, how is it important how 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 important is it that, that the public and, and and people have a level of, of of data literacy so we've moved away from from digital literacy to to more specifically even just data literacy then the other thing i find really interesting is is, is data is just mathematics right like that that is really as as as, as simple as it is i mean, you know it's it's not it's not a completely new concept this is not a this is this is something that we've been working with for a long time and it's something that we do we get a certain level of knowledge for just by going to school and then what further knowledge and education do you then need as that's relevant to your role be that uh, a citizen be that a patient be that a healthcare professional be that a, a manager or be that a data scientist it's going to be different levels of knowledge across all of that spectrum right so it's kind of we need to think about what we implement in, in, in all of those different user groups, all of those this, all of those different personas essentially. And 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 we need to think about kind of what strategy we, we put in place. So for example, and this is me using an example that's relevant to me, I guess, as a doctor, what did I need to know in medical school that would have boosted my knowledge and understanding right from the start about data? Well actually I did a whole module on statistics. So I had some foundational knowledge there. Why did I not have further foundational knowledge there in terms of what that means in terms of big data, what that means in terms of machine learning, what that means in terms of uh, data uh, driven technology. So really it's just building blocks on what's already there in terms of a foundation of knowledge. And I think that that if we think of it in, with that approach, then it's an achievable problem. Thank you. Henry, over to you. I think um... In general for this is that we do know that the world is going extremely very, very fast, especially when it comes to IT and data. And, and, and because of this, you know, a lot of people are being left out on this. In terms of literacy around, you know, data, just especially for the patients, because we are in the NHS, we are one family and it's all patient centered. And with a little bit of analysis I've done, a majority of our patients, you know, are not even engaged with this data. We keep asking them, you know, contribute, contribute your data, contribute your data. Let's collect your data from you. Let's collect your data from you. But what are we giving back out to them? How are they actually consuming this data? And because of this, by default, what do they do? You know, just talking about what Alex was saying about confidentiality, you ask them, oh, do you agree to this? By default, everyone, because no literacy, they will just hit that button and say, no, I do not consent. Everyone would actually do that because we've not, you know, you just, you're just taking from them, but you're not giving them back something. So 
there is a part about, okay, you know, explaining this to them to actually elevate their concerns as well. If they actually literate and understand, you know, what are they actually contributing to this data? You know, what exactly? We can give them something as simple as even the impact. You know, if you just contribute this little bit of stuff, an analysis can be done to actually help save costs, build better um, hospitals, or, you know, don't even miss your GP appointments because they actually cost X amount of time. You know, something as simple like this, just for them to actually contribute data, being informed or getting the patients actually informed about this thing helps drives a lot because in the world of data analytics as well, we do not want a situation whereby our patients are actually choosing to back out from not contributing data. When we know that we actually want to use this data to improve services, improve their healthcare, and improve their well-being. So it's something that's extremely very important that we should actually focus on. And start thinking about getting them engaged, bring them into our groups, bring them closer to us as a provider. Let them actually see their data. It is their data, it is their information. Give this readily out to them as well. Too. So it's just kind of like where I'm where I'm coming from as well. <clears throat> Perfect. Thanks, Henry. Hatim, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I just want to say it's a really interesting way of, of putting it because it's no different to how we interact with, with, with normal things that we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis, i.e. when we do our shopping, i.e. when we sit in front of the TV and, and binge on, 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 on what's there in the evenings. So it's not really, you know, that's all data that's being collected on us and, and, and then we're having personalised solutions that are then delivered to us by 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 the companies that we we share that data with, essentially. And so, you know, from, from a healthcare point of view, what's the value? The value is that this data and this information helps you to make better informed decisions about your health, allows you to better to have better self-care and allows you to have more uh, patient-centred, person-centred conversations with the people that deliver your care, right? And also better access to care. So this is essentially what all, really what the individual wants. But actually, I think there is some work that is needed to, to maybe spend some time with, with people and citizens and say, what what do you want from, from your data? And what would make you comfortable with sharing your data? What is that end goal? And how do we communicate that to you? And then the, the second part of that is then, is a question really for me actually is then what is the who who is the best person to 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 do that you know who's the best person to go and communicate this to people who is it or is it a person is it do we need to do it differently for a different method of communication how do we get this information out there how do we get this literacy out out there because um you know we have to think about is it really valuable for a, for the healthcare professional maybe to be spending their time talking to patients about their data and, and what it means? Because I do have patients that come to me and say, you know, I'm worried about my data or uh, what data are you collecting or is my data accurate? Is that a good use of my time as a GP? I don't know, maybe not. In which case, who is who is better placed to then go in and, and do that? And do we need to create new roles? Do we need to or empower some of the people that we already know are capable of doing this. For example, maybe some of some of the people that are already engaging with people on a regular basis, like our social prescribers. You know, what what strategy can we take to to to, to solve this problem? And I think a lot of that would be thinking about who who is the best pe who are the best people to do this, or is there a different way of doing this that doesn't involve person-to-person -person interaction? Thank you. Has anyone got anything to add before we move on to the next question? No. Okay, 
Henry, you're next. Uh, so your question, how can NHS organisations collaborate to adopt the latest technological advancements in data analytics and reporting? Yeah, just providing a little bit of context there. I'm sure this actually applies to everyone as well. So in the NHS is what I've actually learned. We are very good at just regurgitating reports. We just report, 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 and that's it. That's all we do. We are not even proactive. We just report. Oh, number of referrals, number of contacts, number of problems. Just keep on reporting and information overload to all our clinicians, doctors, and all that. You know, at the end of the day, they just look at it all. I, I ask myself, too much information is as good as no information. So how we can start actually utilizing technologies in, in this place, I know I've kind of like touched on this, is basically providing the right information to the right audience at the right time. I think we are extremely very, very important that if I were to tell a GP now that um, if you don't see this X amount of patients, you know, you would have a lot of people turning up with severe mental illness coming to your practice in the next couple of days, they are actually going to panic. If I go to the finance team and say, you know, if you don't get or the workforce, if you don't get the right number of staffs in place, you are going to miss out on all these targets and all these costs that the NHS have actually provided to you. They are all coming from exactly the same data. So there's something about providing data in the right to the right audience because they actually want this. But at the back of it all is all coming from the exact same data source. There is the part about talking about having real-time data, not data that is stale and is as good as useless. I think a, a doctor who, who wants to see a patient today should have the information ready for, the, for that patient before even the patient actually walks through the door. Not when the patient has actually come, that the doctor is now receiving the usual report to say, Oh, you should have done your flu vaccination for this patient. The patient has gone or even traveled and left now. So we are not actually providing real-time data as well. We're just regurgitating reports and reports, which is as good as useless for us. So I would like us to actually start utilizing advanced technologies in here. So there is the part about real-time data, having data that is extremely very live and more useful for people to actually report on. I call this some sort of operational reporting, whereby someone walks into the office today and they actually see the information as live as possible, tailor-made for them to actually do their work. There is the other reporting as well too, that just goes for other back-end reporting. So that one will actually come to play. Um, there is the part about, I know people talk about, okay, um, oh, Henry, your role is informatics. What is the difference between informatics and information? Like, <laughs> at times it's it's quite very interesting as well to when I have this conversation. At times I just said, it's all exactly the same thing. You know, call me head of information, call me head of informatics. But I know when you actually speak to the actual informatics people, they like cringe and say, Henry, you're doing the wrong thing there. So I just kind of like summarize, informatics is just kind of like the science of it all, the use of applications and all that. Information simply to me is this crazy data that has just been structured to become an information for you, okay? 
So most people just want the information, which is great. So it's not putting down the informatics people. You know, they do all the hard backend work as well to bring them. Um, informatics really needs to evolve. And informatics, it, it's especially in the NHS, needs to start utilizing. Basically, we need to start having a lot of high-end informatics role embedded in the NHS well, so that they can actually start talking to each other properly. And by doing this, we will be able to mitigate on most of all these having artificial intelligence in there. Artificial intelligence is extremely very, very important. It's one of the greatest things that I actually saw. I was actually shocked that looking at carry as well to how you can actually utilize statistics in there. Regression, I do not know who actually wrote all this, but it is true. It does work <laughs> and it is working a lot well. So I've seen where artificial intelligence has been used in, 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 in places whereby you can. You need to get information from 20 sources just to predict one thing. You bring in artificial intelligence, it tells you that you don't need to go to all these 20 sources to get this information. In fact, you only need three or four major variables. So this can actually help to predict exactly the same thing that 20 sources you have gone to actually go and look out for to do. So there is a lot of technologies actually embedded in data that is not being effectively utilized. And the earlier that the NHS starts evolving in this, the better for us all, because at the end of this, this is all to actually improve patient care. Thank you, Henry. Alex. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I just said that and I'll rest my case there. Sorry, I've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you were nodding your head a lot there, so I'm going to come to you first. Yeah, it's, um, yeah having worked in various information teams uh, in, in my career, it's, it's, I mean, I, what, I think I think what pains me the most and you know one one of you mentioned it earlier is about this this silo working and you know you've got you've got the 150 odd NHS trusts in England each with their own information department each with their own team of analysts each producing the same reports each producing the same IPRs etc they're each mining the data from their own data warehouses and they're putting it through whatever systems they have um, a lot of them are probably doing a, a dump from their data warehouse into Excel, spending hours and hours and hours each and every day refreshing the same report and then just, you know, churning it out. And it's just it's yeah, it's 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 obviously a it's obviously a gross waste of potential resources because, you know, we've got we've got the potential to really unlock some some amazing analytics and to to put these people to work doing much more exciting groundbreaking stuff of actually using the data and looking for patterns and you know having those conversations with their operational or clinical colleagues about you know what the data showing them as opposed to as opposed to churning the handle of report production each day um, and that's just in one organization you know and uh, I, I think there was there was talk a few years ago about nationally because we we report sus um, sus data regularly. I think there was some talk about you know nationally um, they were able to uh, or the potential to replicate 
these kind of reports that organizations need to try and free up the capacity within these organizations to try and do more proactive um, type work. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I mean, the, the key challenge will be because you've got, you know, no, no two organizations have exactly the same um, uh, systems throughout. You know, my, my previous organization, we had, we used a, a PaaS system that was uh, the only, um, that PaaS provider was the only um, one in uh, an acute trust in, in England. Um, so, you know, we couldn't even talk to another um, NHS trust about trying to share knowledge because it was, that was the only um, instance of that PaaS. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think back 20 odd years to the National Programme for IT, which on the face of it was, you know, a, a brilliant concept of trying to tie everything up together and try and have essentially common systems across all all organisations. Um, but in the end, um, it you know, it didn't work for various different reasons. But, um, but on the face of it, it should work because, you know, we're, you know, we're all using similar technology. We all need the same sorts of things within our organizations it's not it's, it's not so different and you know now particularly over the last five years as we've moved away from um from the internal market of trying to be competitive with our neighbors and trying to you know under pbr trying to steal as much activity as we can just to try and um try and get as uh, as uh, as far away from the red as we can um to this whole different mindset of working together working collaboratively um I mean, technology's out there. It's just whether the NHS has the appetite to invest in it. Um, I think there was some statistic I heard years ago, which was private companies tend to invest a minimum of 20 to 25% of their turnover in IT. And the NHS invests like three or 4%. And, you know, I get it's public money and I get that, you know, that money in an ideal world is, is spent 100% on the patient. But you know, there's a real, there's a real potential here rather than, um, you know, drawing an analogy of, of the analyst doing, spending the same two hours each day recreating the same report. There's the same work that is going on in it for our clinicians, you know, seeing the same types of patients day in, day out, where if we could get meaningful um, systems or meaningful information out of systems across the whole health um, network, then you know potentially we can we can prevent a lot of these cases. Um, so yeah, it's a you know it's a key challenge. It's you know I think <clears throat> I think somebody's just got to have the appetite to be able to to put the money in the right places. You know again it's a bit of a controversial comment, but I think you know I actually think there's there is potentially enough um, funding within healthcare. It's just how we use it and how you know. Because on a daily basis, you know, we see waste all over the place, you know, whether it's through people's time or resources or duplication, et cetera. And if maybe if we can all work together collaboratively, you know, we can actually make better use of the resources we've got. Thanks, Alex. Henry, do you want to add to that? Yeah, just quickly, just to kind of like echo on this. Um, so, so, so on a very high level, um, the NHS as well, to just to see what Alex is saying, it's it's extremely, people normally joke on this and say that the NHS is like 10 years behind compared to other private sectors as well, too, which is kind of like, it is true. And unfortunately for this, um, 
IT in general, or you know, ITB, ITB data as well, too, is actually here to make your life better, not to actually make not the opposite. So if I were to go to a GP, even in the past when I was in GP, these are great GPs who have been in the post, you know, you know, for for donkeys, enemies, and they said the way the the way they have provided care has really shifted. It's gone from the part of them looking after the patient, understanding the full holistic picture of the patient, you know, spending more time to actually discuss and actually treat this patient, is moved away from this culture into managers basically telling them, tick this box, tick this box, tick that box, you know, only spend 10 minutes, only spend 15 minutes, only do this, only do that. This sort of technology should not be the way, you know, this creates some sort of bad image around IT. And it's just because the NHS is not, IT is not here to make lives difficult for the GPs or the provider. It's supposed to make life easy for you. A system that is actually connected as well. Too. And yes, you're right. A huge player in this is also our past systems as well. Too. I don't really want to call name, but it's also to be driven from that government perspective as well, too, to make providers to actually Think also have your ambitions relating to the NHS as well, to not just commercially driven, because you have one provider saying, I'm not going to do X amount of this so that I do not want, I want to have a basic competitive edge across other past systems as well. Too. And because of all this little bit of bureaucracies and all that, it makes life difficult for us all. Whereby all these 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 systems that Alex could have been using in that provider, there could be another past system. We are all capturing patient-related data. They should be able to talk to each other. A GP in Alex um, trust and my GP in my own trust don't need to be undergoing bureaucracies to say, let me wait for when Alex's team is going to send this information to for me before I actually do. The system can all can just talk to each other and do that and save a lot of time for the GPs and other staff members as well to, to reallocate their resources and time spent well to do other perfect things. So I'm just saying that there should be that part where we should actually drive it from the government perspective as well to get these past systems to actually get to a stage to say, we should stop compet competing with each other and get to that stage for them to start talking to each other collaboratively, have in, um, intuitive APIs that can actually talk to each other because this will actually trickle down well for us as a user and down to the patients as well too. Thank you. Hatem, what are your thoughts? I completely agree with, with everything that's been said. I was really struck when by by the initial uh, case that Henry put out there in terms of uh, identifying, you know, what you really need is, is the is the right data or the right information for the right people and getting that information to the right people. And I think to achieve that, you, as Henry said, you need the right people in those roles as well. Um, and so you need to invest in not only the IT, but you need to invest in the right people that you need for the workforce um, and the people that can understand that information to then best attribute it to the right people. And that takes, that's quite difficult to do and because it's quite difficult for us to all understand each other's roles. So I, the other thing I've, I've been trying to talk about for a while now is this concept of a new multidisciplinary team. You know, we talk about as healthcare professionals when we train, we talk about multidisciplinary teams being the doctor, the nurse, the allied healthcare professional, the, you know, um, 
the speech and language purpose you know that kind of that kind of multi-professional team but what about this this uh, informatics or, or or data multidisciplinary team you know now it's really it's, it's it's the doctor it's the informatician it's the analyst it's the governance specialist you know it's, it's kind of it's completely different team that needs to be put together and needs to work on these solutions and get and get that information out and so that's been one of the my own sort of drive to, to then understand informatics more understand data more so you know that I can be in a position now that I can call myself a clinical informatician you know so that I can then hopefully work with 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 people like Henry with people like Carrie with people like Alex to actually help us all work together to then understand what needs to be done to to tackle some of the clinical solutions that that we face on a on a day-to-day -day basis no matter what roles we are in and to make sure that that each of my colleagues can all talk to each other and 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 understand information best as as Henry described in terms of that one person in one system versus one person in another system. Thank you. Carrie, what do you think? Um, I agree with what you guys say, but I think fundamentally, ignore the money issue for, for a minute. Just, I mean, NHS don't have money. We all know that. So we don't need to keep echoing it. But I think is from a data scientist or people that work in data point of view, technology does change a lot, especially the last five years. But I don't feel like that I have the time to understand it all before. This so is what I mean by that is, if the data and technology moving so fast, we are the people that who got more chance to understand it than the other discipline. That is all true. And for us to need to be the advocate of the of the trust or, or the team to let other people know what is going on in the world as well. So I find it difficult is the timing, because like you guys say, we got asked to do a routine report, the boring old job that everyone need to do because of whatever needed. But at the same time is, I find it difficult is learning the new thing. I mean, I'll allocate the time to learn the new thing or be encouraged to learn the new thing before I can spread across the world, if that makes sense. So so for me, is I would say from a, from a data science team leader point of view, I would say, we how can we create some kind of lag time for our staff to improve themselves and also for them to find the interest about their job as well. I think that is another thing that I would say to add another dimension. Otherwise, if we don't like our job or we don't understand the new technology, new data pathway, new, you know, anything, other disciplinary people will have no chance for doing that. So that's my point of view, yeah. Thank you, Carrie. Um, so Hatim, your question, what do we need to do to instill confidence in healthcare professionals on the value of data and data-driven technologies? And I, I, the reason I pose this question, and I kind of kind of bringing the discussion all the way around, I guess, is because if we want to achieve that ultimate aim in terms of improving patient care, then how do we get probably what is the the largest workforce resource in in the NHS, which is our our healthcare professionals, to feel comfortable with data and feel comfortable with data driven solutions, because that is ultimately that final often that final step and sometimes that gets missed and I've, I've seen in the past in terms of the introduction of, of different technologies in the NHS you know I if I'm honest I've gone into an accident and emergency department one day with a new completely new system in place without being told this new system was in place and, and asked to just use it without any sort of prior training and I and I think that whole that is changing and, and you know we've seen with the implementation of new 
in health information systems in hospitals, there are quite clear strategy and teams that are put together to help support uh, the, the implementation of these health information systems. So things are changing in, in that respect. But in, in terms of data, that's still kind of a, a, a big unknown. So it really brings us back to that sort of data literacy conversation in terms of, you know, that is a big part. If we can increase data literacy and understanding and demystify the role of data-driven technologies, that's one way that we can build confidence. Um, and, and, and I also point towards it because we've done some work at Health Education England in terms of trying to really understand what this means. And we've we've seen confidence in, in AI being across sort of three different layers. And we see that sort of at a infrastructural layer, which is really governance and, and making sure that you know, we, we're comfortable and we understand the, the regulatory aspects around data and, and data-driven technologies. We understand that there is quite clear guidance out there for, for these types of technologies and standards out there for these types of technologies that are being looked at. We consider things like liability when it comes to using data-driven solutions in practice. And then there's something at the implementation level, and we've talked about it a little bit here today in terms of strategy and, 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 and culture and, and, and transformation. You know, what needs to be done to make an organization organization ready to use to use data-driven technologies, and a lot of that is around the people and the support you give to the people within that organization. Um, there's something around validation and, and evaluation of these types of solutions, right? Because if you're going to bring something in and you're using data to inform your decision making, how are you actively validating that that's the right level of data, that that data is accurate? What processes are you putting in place for that? So that's really important at that organizational layer. And then you've also got that clinical use layer, which is that sort of that final stage which is kind of person-centered people facing uh, uh, layer where the healthcare professional is is either inputting data which needs to be good quality data that's going to inform the decision making or actually making a decision with data or a data-driven tool so what does that mean for that individual what do they understand by that what is the liability if they don't necessarily completely agree with that but actually if they are not agreeing with that, why is that? What what are they worried about, or what's what's their anxiety about about that information? Um, we talk about confidence in the sense of you know you don't want to be overconfident in something, you don't want to be underconfident in something. You want to hit that sweet spot in the middle where you can actually you understand it enough to say this is how much information it gives me. This is how much information my own experience and my own uh, my own training gives me. And together with all of that, I will make a decision along with the the person that I'm treating so that that is a, a really important part of the process as well so these sorts of things I think are going to be really important for us to think about if we're going to achieve confidence in 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 amongst healthcare professionals in data and data-driven technologies but that's really from from my end from some of the work we've done at Health Education England and some of my understanding as a as a healthcare professional but it'd be really interesting to hear what others think. Thank you Carrie uh, we'll go to you first. So I agree with you, everything that you said, because the thing is, like you say, for, for me, like I think it's quite linked to my the question that I asked earlier, actually, because you're talking about how to improve it. And also, I would say you're right, because after we impose, no one really pushing us to learn more, if that makes sense. And, and we can, we're allowed to learn things that we are imposed or, or how to say, we are employed to do. But the thing is, they don't see as a clinician they also need to include, in, increase their understanding or knowledge of something around them that may indirectly that work with them. So I would say for that is, like you say, the HEE, the, the Health Education Pathway to have a little bit changing about different people's job description, not just about 
what we need to know, but at the same time, is our job is linked to different things. We need to know about what other people are doing. Like you say, as a, as a data analyst in the NHS, we, I understand you guys as a clinician, what is the difficulty you are facing or what kind of number that you can you don't know. We don't know. We only tell you that well, we're going to give you a really shiny dashboard to saying that everything will be there. But the thing is, if you, if you guys as an audience, you don't understand it and all haven't got a feedback to tell me that actually for us, something is so easy and simple, but for you guys, actually, maybe not. So it's a flip side. It's like for you guys, when you diagnose as a patient, you would say, like, oh, that is easy. It's just, you know, a, a normal cases for us to see is actually, I can't see it. So like you said, I think a lot of exchange, like lunch and learn kind of um, to building that kind of relationship with the information team is really important because when people feel more confident of comfortable, with people they know, they're more easy to ask questions. But if you say it's a no relationship, I would say that it's very difficult to even understand where the problem is. So I, I would say the communication is very important to different departments if we're working in a cross-sectional sector. Excellent. Thanks, Kerry. Henry, what are your thoughts? Um, I think in terms of actually building confidence, obviously it's just shifting it now to the HCPs this time. Um, so I'm seeing it from two, two perspectives as well, to building conf confidence in the technology and building confidence in the data as well. So talking about the technology part as well, so for a HCP, you know, a HCP that basically, look at the situation, a HCP that actually does home visits. You decide to provide a good technology for them, giving them a mobile device for them to take and carry on their journeys for their home visits. If this HCP is not even confident in this technology, do you know what that HCP is going to do with your tablet? It's just going to turn it across and take her paper book and put her paper on top of this tablet and write her notes on it. So this is basically what they're going to do with the handheld tablet device for the technology. So there is that part about actually making them more confident about that technology that you're actually giving out to them in the first place to say that it's extremely very important, you know, that you actually utilize this environment. We all know it's actually important, but if they do not have this information, they will just do that as using the tablet as a nice paper surface <laughs> to actually write their um, manual notes. There is the other part about building the confidence around the data as well. So this also applies to the HCPs because the HCPs are kind of like the ones, you know, the sandwich in between. They're the ones being beaten all the time to say, keep entering this, tick this box, do this, do this, do this, do that. What did they get back as well to in return for this? So it also comes to the part about, you know, people are only being told, the HCPs are only being told to enter this record, but they do not get the information back themselves, you know? And this all falls into the topics around providing even real-time data for the HCPs, providing data that is actually for their audience as well. So the HCP is only interested in the information that they actually want to actually conduct their roles or exercise. They are not interested in other garbage as well. So I think a HCP that is more interested in, in saying that I'm going to see this patient um, I have been told to actually record this data for this patient. Now I'm going to see this patient again, and this data I entered yesterday is actually appearing on my screen. Oh, great. This is a good feedback for that HCP as well. They start even start building confidence around the data that, oh, I put this yesterday, and now I'm seeing it back myself too. 
And this is a way to actually validate the data that they are being told or asked to actually do. So this actually helps when you tell people they give you something and you give them back something in return. Okay. Um, sorry, that's my talk, Ellie. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. And Alex, uh, we go over to you. Yeah, lots of uh, <clears throat> lots of different threads to draw on here, but yeah, it's um so yeah, communication's key because obviously we need to engage with uh, our service users, our customers. You know, we can you know we can produce as many dashboards or reports as we want, but if they're not hitting the right audience, they're not being understood, then you, you kind of think, well, what's the point? Um, I, I mean, I have seen some some really good examples. So in um, in my current organization and my previous organization, I guess quite a few trusts, you know, they're using real time data within A&E. So they'll have probably a, a, a live or, you know, near live feed as to, you know, the volumes of patients in their department, what stage they're at, um, how many breaches they've got, how many are waiting for beds, how many ambulances are en route, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's this sort of information, this sort of data that is, is um, you know, paramount to, to trying to run a department such as A&E, you know, something that's exceptionally reactive. Um, and I think I think you're right, you know, that, you know, it, it's about what can we give back and, and how can we demonstrate that the data that they're entering is is actually valid and needed and useful. Um, I, th I think as well, another point, I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's all, I always think it's it's all it's it's all well and good looking to the future and what what we can what we can do. But um, <clears throat> I've seen way too many times, um, you know, an organisation um, get excited about you know bringing a particular system in because they'll you know they'll have a current system whether it's about bed management or it's about mortality reporting whatever it is, and somebody will just you know say well you know the data's rubbish this system's rubbish what we need is this other system and you know it might be a clinician's used it in another organization or whatever and they'll bring the system in and they'll implement the system and all the rest of it um <clears throat> but they, they all have one thing in common and that's you need somebody to enter the data and unless you've got somebody who can enter the data accurately in real time um it doesn't matter how good your system is it's always going to have that 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 point of failure um and you know i really think for you know i my, my heart does you know having worked operationally my heart really does go out to our to our clinical and nursing staff because you know they're trying to you know they've got a patient in front of them who needs clinical care needs looking after needs treating needs um you know caring for by a nurse wh whatever it is they need and yet we're also asking them to you know log into this system which you know might require you know one of seven different passwords that they need to to remember they need to yeah request this this test on this system and that those bloods on this other system and then record it on this system and then this system doesn't talk to that system and all the rest of it and you know of course they're going to get frustrated with it um so for me i think <clears throat> i think the single the single most important thing i think we could give back to our staff to to be able to try and um, make better use of data or recording of data or more accurate data is how can we how can we record it as simply as possible I mean I just you know I think we've you know a lot of us have smart speakers in our home where we just talk to them you know and they record it so why you know why not have instead of instead of a, a instead of a computer 
terminal in a in a consultation room why not just have a microphone and that conversation between clinician and patient is transcripted and if if a doctor says right we need to send you for x-ray and bloods and all the rest of it you know all of this stuff is then acted on automatically and you know all the you know all the the code in the background you know picks up that you know uh this diagnostics required so you know why shouldn't it why shouldn't it then go and find the next available slot and book it in there and then why why do we in this day and age why do we need to be hampered by a physical device that people need to log into and, and key into because you know ultimately at the end of the day whatever we can make um the, the jobs and lives of our doctors and nurses and clinical staff as simple as possible at that point i think we'll then get better engagement and we'll get better um, accurate and get a better recording of data and then I think people will then have more time to to want to look at it and want to review it and want to see it as opposed to you know just I think as Henry said it's you know it's been used as a tool to to beat them with as opposed to a constructive tool to actually use. Perfect thanks Alex uh, thank you so much for joining me I hope you've all enjoyed it